1: Because it's not a matter of my liberation it's also a matter of yours and if you're working
0: if we're working together it's not because we're going to do something for the poor black people we're going to do something for each other to save this really rather frightening world whatever our differences we are fellow americans and please believe me when i say no association has ever meant more to me than that i'm van jones and this is uncommon ground Welcome back to Uncommon Grounds, where we're looking at what it takes to make meaningful change in such a divided country. A lot of times we have these conversations about social change and how we're going to bring people together, how we're going to solve these tough problems. We tend to focus on the external challenges. We tend to focus on social media, political parties, politicians, you know, race, history, all these big external things that stand in our way of coming together, but I want to be a little bit more honest here, which is that for me, and I bet for you, when you actually try to do this stuff, when you actually try to bring people together, the external stuff isn't always the issue. You know, you go into a room, you sit down with somebody who you've got a difference with. If you're like me, sometimes you just feel triggered internally. There's this internal conflict. There's there's something happening in your heart. Cable television is not there. Twitter is not there. Washington, D.C. is very far away. You are sitting there and you're having your own struggle trying to listen and trying to be heard. And I think we got to spend more time talking about the inner barriers to that because it's often these unaddressed internal conflicts that are keeping our movements for peace and for justice from making real progress. And so there are tools that we can access that help us build bridges. And fortunately, there are people who are masters of those tools, and they get this link between the inner change and the outer change. And one of those people is Tara Brock. She's one of the foremost voices for Buddhism in the Western world. And she talks about this connection between inner change and social change. And she does it with such equanimity and insight and wisdom. And I, and I think this conversation is going to help you a lot. It helped me a lot. Here's what I want you to to be paying attention to as she talks. First of all, she talks about that spirituality can help us in trying to access our full selves so we can be more compassionate and more effective in doing this work. She talks about how this kind of internal bridge building can eliminate this desire or tendency that we have to see other people as just these scary others and can open our hearts up to find common ground even when it's really difficult. And she's got this one idea, she calls it the U-turn. In other words, the turn to you, the turn to yourself, where you really interrogate yourself and your own feelings and how that's informing your perspective as you are engaging with other people. And then we're going to dive into how this work can guide us through some of our deepest divides. Tara has a really incredible perspective on race, and it comes from a spiritual place that you don't hear enough about. And so as we're heading into this new year, I think all of us can make a commitment to being more compassionate, more open-hearted as we work to find these real solutions. And we're going to hear from Tara Brock about how we can do that right after this. If I asked you how many subscriptions you have, would you be able to list all of them and how much you're paying? If you would have asked me this question before I started using Rocket Money, I would have said yes. But let me tell you, Hello. Oh,
1: hello. What a nice thing.
0: Just means so much to me to get a chance to talk with you.
1: I am so happy to do it. It really hit me that um, I'm emphasizing inner bridge building. You're emphasizing outer, and we both totally know the complement is essential. And how cool is that? Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know? No. It's, it's it's really it's really important. It's not just some touchy feely crap. It's a survival. Opportunity is an evolutionary necessity for us to find that uncommon ground and work together really well. And it's hard and it requires things that nobody's talking about in the news. What is the role of spiritual preparation? Is it possible for us to do this work without the spiritual tools that you're teaching?
1: It's like Mother Teresa said that we suffer because we forget our belonging to one another. To me what that is, is it's inner bridge building, which means that when we get triggered, if you get triggered by fear, you have a way of directing your attention so you can reconnect to a larger sense of your being, so you can feel a sense of belonging to your own body, heart, mind, and to me, and to your mm-hmm. son. And, to, and that belonging helps us feel safe. So I feel like it's crucial right now that we purposefully train our attention (laughs) to be able to bridge-build within our own (laughs) body-mind and have more access to our prefrontal cortex.
0: You know, we have a politics of of accusation rather than a politics of confession. We never come forward and say, here's my part in this mess. Here's my feelings about it. Here's my fears about it. Here's my, my hopes and my needs. We say, you know, this thing happened, and it's Republicans' fault. Or this thing happened, and it's Black Lives Matter fault. And we can just get agreement on who to blame, then we somehow made progress.
1: Well, I'm with you, and I think it takes practice. Because when we're afraid and reactive, our first fight-flight-free strategy is to either blame ourselves, which we do a huge amount of, sure, or we, bl- we look for someone else to blame or a group to blame. So one of the terms I really like is taking a U-turn. <laughs> I'll give you an example um one in one group I was leading a black woman was partnered with a Jewish woman and her partner was bemoaning basically how much of this country is puts all this attention to Christmas and you know just how it just felt like a violation to her and her partner was just saying, her, her basic response was, get a life. You know, it's mm. like, I'm sure it's challenging, but, you know, this is not real oppression. So And so she was angry. She felt distanced. And she also sensed that, well, I should have compassion. So, so that was her question she brought to me. And I had just listened to a talk between Nikki Giovanni and James Baldwin, a wow. th- recorded in 1973. And Nikki said one of the nice things about our generation was we could say that we didn't like white people and that was the beginning of being able to like them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so I said to her, just go ahead and feel what you feel. And she said, I just feel, you know, angry and I feel kind of, you know, disgust in a way. I kind of turned off and and she opened to it. And so she made the U-turn instead of blame to what she was feeling inside her and brought compassion to it. Like, it's okay to feel this, this is natural.
0: And this was the African-American woman who was talking with you, or the Jewish Yes,
1: woman? Okay. this is the uh-huh. African-American woman who was angry at her Jewish partner. Instead of just blaming her partner, she's just felt, okay, angry, disliking her, mm-hmm. not feeling good, and she just allowed her feelings, felt them, and brought compassion to them. And after she did that van, then when she thought about her partner, she had a lot more space and she could say okay she does she doesn't get how that triggers me and she could do this amazing thing that i think is in all of us which is shift from blame to sensing well what's it like being you yeah but that but before we can do that (laughs) we have to make the u-turn and with integrity feel what we feel No matter what it is.
0: But I'm telling you, what you're saying right now is true, but also it feels very dangerous because if you say, look, I feel this way and you're in public or you're at work or whatever it is, there's danger, there's risk. And so I think we are somehow are creating this, we're doing something very dysfunctional. In order for people to get where we want them, which is kind of this mountaintop of enlightenment, and this mountaintop of of compassion and, and sister and brotherhood and siblinghood, which is very beautiful. People have to go through a bunch of crap. They have to yes. go through, they have to say stuff that doesn't make sense. They've got to just cough up some fur balls and do all this stuff. And then we start just beating the crap out of people in the middle of the transformation. It's like a, like a caterpillar trying to become a butterfly. They get in that little chrysalis and it's nasty in there. Like it's all kind of stuff happening in there. Well, if you open that thing up and say you suck, it's like, well, first of all, you just killed the damn butterfly. <laughs> but <laughs> second of all, that's what transformation is. It's not pretty. But that's we can't exactly we, right. We can't deal with the not pretty sometimes.
1: So here's the thing: I wouldn't recommend she say out loud at that phase of things. Mm. That's why I'm really... Oh,
0: the inner. That's
1: why I really believe in doing inner training. I think there's a certain amount that we can process within ourselves that we can say, okay, I'm going to feel this. Just feel it and be with it and let it be there. Give it permission. Say yes to it. If we do, more space opens up and then we can say, you know, here's how that made me feel. But we're not going to carry with it quite so much toxicity. And and yet I also agree with you that we then also need to create containers that are safe with really good guidelines on how you and I in our chrysalises going through our stuff can also begin to let each other know about it. But I think if it's not grounded in the inner work van I don't think it does so well. Which is why if we're talking about restorative justice or peace and reconciliation hand in hand with that kind of outward bridge building i feel like we should be offering people tools of training their attention so they know how to come back home to a place of balance and some inner sense of safety
0: i, I tend to do at least publicly more of the social uh, change part like the outer bridge building trying to get you know black folks and white folks and brown folks to work together on poverty and prisons and fighting pollution, trying to find solutions to that kind of stuff. And for me, that's my reason to do all the inner work. You kind of start with the inner and move to the outer, at least publicly. And I think I'd start with the outer and I'm trying to figure out how to come out of the closet a little bit as a spiritual person. Like I pray, I meditate, I chant, I read all your stuff. And then what's happened with me is the best traditions of the black church that I grew up in was a lot about space and grace. You know, mm-hmm. you've mentioned that here, mm. that that almost all of black theology can be reduced to two words. At the end of the day, it comes back to hallelujah, anyhow.
1: How, wait, Hall- hallelujah. Hallelujah,
0: and? anyhow.
1: Anyhow. Anyhow. Mm.
0: Hallelujah, anyhow. No matter mm-hmm. what you do to us, no matter how many times you lynch us or beat us, we, you're not going to steal our joy. You're not going to make us feel less than children of God. You're not going to make us hate you because we love God more than we hate anybody. Hallelujah. Anyhow, that is black theology at its core. And that's what I grew up with. So for me, going into politics, I had that, I wouldn't call it spiritual, I would call it soulful, but I had that kind of soulful springboard into politics. And so then, you know, when it was time to reach out to Appalachian coal miners or reach out to Republicans, I was coming from that. And what I landed in was this culture where the space for grace is actually getting smaller. Mm. Even as black, the black agenda is getting more visible. The spiritual component of it is getting, from my point of view, a lot smaller. So now it's cancel culture and it's 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 woke wars and this sort of stuff. And I'm like, no, 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 no. I, 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 I'm from the old school. <laughs> like, like, we're gonna we're gonna out love these people outwork these people out. Hug these people if, if, if we're going to hold somebody accountable, we're going to hold them first. Like, come on, let oh no, that's not allowed. And so, I'm struggling, and it's, it's made me question myself. It's brought up a bunch of wounds from childhood. Uh, I, I'm trying to figure out now, mm-hmm. uh, you know, how much of the spiritual stuff to talk about publicly. <laughs> because if it's just going to be, you know, the reds versus the blues and the blacks versus the whites, a, I don't think we can solve the problems, but also, I don't want to play. I, that, yeah. that's, that's yeah, not yeah, what yeah, I. Yeah. That's, I don't. I don't think that that's going to be transformative, even if we win a couple of elections.
1: You know what? I don't think the whole trajectory of our evolution would say that that would work either. It, it's much easier to think if we could just get rid of the people that don't agree with us then we could make the country we want and we're in it for the long haul with all the different expressions of uh, fear and greed and clear thinking and not clear thinking it's just there so the question is how do you gather together people from different realities or viewpoints that aren't too different you need some common grounds Mm -hmm. if they're the extreme extremes that's going to be difficult and what you just said about hallelujah anyway, anyhow, I think that there's a parallel because any anything that's in one religion has some archetypal kind of quality that you can find elsewhere. And for me the language I use is trusting the gold, that there is an essential goodness in this mm. universe that the universe is built on. There is a loving awareness that everything springs out of and it can get all sorts of torqued and distorted and diluted and so on. But it's there. And it's kind of what Einstein was saying when you know he put out that famous question of, do you believe this universe is a friendly place? Is there some basic trust that there's some benevolence in in life you know and i think that that trust gets severed when people have been badly traumatized it's harder to feel it yeah but what helps them to hold it is just what black congregations have done forever which is they hold hands and they sing and they feel their collective belonging when you get groups together there's going to be different expressions of what evolving consciousness looks like. But I think if there's a way that each person can get in touch with their sense of what gives them hope, what what's the goodness that they see in the world that makes them even wanna put energy out and keep on re-grounding it in the place of shared hope, what we, what we cherish together, we can have different ways of arriving at it.
0: Yeah, yeah, well, I, what you just said actually helps me a great deal because the sangha or the congregation, you know, the community. I think that's really important for me right now. Not just what solutions are we shooting for, but what's the community that we're building that can make those solutions more possible. It's 3 o'clock somewhere. So feel good while curbing your afternoon cravings or the midnight munchies. Yeah, you know who you are with the joyfully chill sensation of My Mochi ice cream. Find My Mochi ice cream at Target or visit MyMochi.com to locate a grocery store near you. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas, absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash Wondery and use code Wondery for 20% off your first purchase. Part of what I want to talk with you about especially is your stand on on race and racism which i think is so beautiful and so nuanced and so strong i don't think we can solve global warming this divided i don't think we can save democracy this divided i think there are things that are so big and so consequential that if we don't come together we can't get it done and yet when you try to get people together it's so hard and race is you know race and party those seem to be the two big dividing lines gender as well but I wanted to spend some time getting into your mind about this, because, you know, the spiritual community that you are a part of, you know, the kind of Western Buddhist, you know, tradition, you know, it's been a white thing, you know, disproportionately. And, um, and that's almost been like a dirty secret. Almost you couldn't even talk about it. It's just kind of you go to the retreats and it's just a bunch of white folks and nobody says anything. And you, you talk about it. Why, as a spiritual person, have you found it so important to speak about these racial divides?
1: I have been fortunate to be in somewhat of a bubble, but still have, you know, more of a mixed group of friends. Mm-hmm. And some of them, part of my spiritual community, really helped me wake up. You know, where they said we need to have an affinity sangha, meaning we need to have the bipoc community be together. Uh-huh. And I really learned a lot from them. I have some teachers. One person, Las Sarmiento, who is goes by they has been a real teacher in how much the only way we're going to build a real sense of authentic diversity, not just having a certain number of board members, but real diversity, is relationships. So things are changing, in, not just in our meditation community, but around the country. And now in our teacher training, we're, we're trying to create more and more IPOC teachers and so on. So it's happening.
0: We're going through a big transformation. And I wonder, could you share some stories? You're such a great storyteller. Like, when has it gone well, this effort that you're a part of? And when has it gone awry? <laughs> yep. I think I think people, everybody now kind of signs off on, yes, we want diversity and we want BIPOC and trans and whatever else I'm supposed to say. But behind their eyes, they're scared because they're afraid that they're going to screw it up or they're going to say it the wrong way. You're actually doing it. I just wonder, like, when has it gone well? And when it's going well, what's happening? And then maybe tell me sometimes when it's gone, totally screwed up (laughs) and what you learned from it.
1: I'll give you um, an example. Right in one group I was part of, for three years, a group of us got together that was mixed race, uh, mixed gender, mixed gender orientation, mixed sexual orientation. There were about 14 of us. Mm -hmm. And the goal was that question, what's it like being you? It was very, very powerful. It's
0: a powerful question.
1: And as people started letting kind of sharing the daily stuff they were living with, the daily violations. You know, one woman described what it was like with her father being stopped by the police and and seeing her father's shame at having her watch that. And then another woman describing how, well, for you, Tara, you brought up your son and you encouraged him to be all he could be. I had to give my son the message of, be careful, don't show who you are don't make the wrong moves, stay in at night. You know, this the fear she lived in every night that her black teen was going out. So what first happened to me, Van, was that I got this increasing sense of being a bad person, that I was not doing enough. Here I am, the leader of a community and not doing enough to make a change. And with all the privilege I have of being comfortable financially and everything. So I went into white guilt and Mm -hmm. the more I went into it the more distant... I felt wooden. I I felt like I was fake. I felt like I couldn't relate to anybody. It was really um, very uncomfortable. And then something cracked me open. I remember at the end of one of our meetings feeling completely marginalized and realizing what I was caught in and then opening underneath it to how heartbroken I was, like how much it just broke my heart, the centuries of the violation of the terrorizing of black bodies and what my friends were going through. So I went yeah. from guilt to heartbreak. And then I actually my relationship started deepening. Then I could really be with people. But I had a breakthrough taking it personally. And that was the big learning. It's like I'm part of it, but it's not a personal badness. Every one of us that lives and breathes the air and this society is conditioned. We can't not be. And that really helped. You know, I remember at one point going on a, a trip with my husband and we were swimming and I, we swam out to this island and I felt like I was, you know, I felt like I was in the Olympics. I was, just felt <laughs> graceful and strong and I, I was having a blast. But coming back, I started getting really exhausted and scared that I wasn't even going to make it. And it really hit me that as a white person, I'm swimming with the currents mm. and I just don't get it how how many moments I forget what somebody of color, what a black indigenous person of color has to experience daily. The good news is that there's more and more… you know, it's really since George Floyd was murdered that there are a lot of trainings going on and they're not just light trainings. People are really getting down with each other and beginning to name what they're living with in an honest way and, and that just really gives me hope.
0: It's one of the things that I'm struggling with the most is how we how we cross this this bridge. I feel like we've kind of jumped halfway across the chasm now. If you look at the polling data, about thirty million white people in twenty twenty changed their mind about race. About thirty million white people who maybe in January would have said anti-black racism racism is not a big deal. Police are mostly doing their job. Uh, By the time you got through that summer, about 30 million said, no, actually, I'm very concerned about what the police are doing and anti-black racism is a big, big deal. Not only a big deal, it's high on my list. That's a miracle. Uh, I mean, Dr. King never had one summer where he got 30 million new people. But I think I'm starting to sense a fatigue with the conversation from some people I'm starting to now get the sense of people kind of smiling behind tight teeth Mm. and feeling like now they kind of have to go along with this more out of mandatory participation and fear of getting canceled or call a name. If you don't participate rather than honest inspiration and empathy of what you're describing. And I think this this is a very delicate moment because often when we make these advances then there's a backlash. And so I just wonder at a deep spiritual level, You know, you're doing something very difficult because you're about oneness, and yet you're dealing with this lack of oneness. And I think there can be a lack of empathy on all sides, conceivably. Are there dangers for us progressive warriors spiritually? Are there things that an African-American in my position might need to be more aware of spiritually? In other words, help me think this through, because I just don't want us to ruin what could be a real awakening and turn it into some crazy woke war that doesn't go anywhere at the end.
1: Me too. I feel the same way. And I actually maybe got more discouraged than you did with the spike of caring and passion that came out. I mean, the horror of witnessing this killing and then so many people just, you know, raw. And I think, it's very uncomfortable to stay raw. Mm -hmm. And then there's this exhaustion thing about always trying to look at one's own bias. And we have a tension deficit in our culture, and we have people incredibly distracted. So it's kind of like what Desmond Tutu said of, you know, two steps forward, one step back. I mean, really, all of this comes to unprocessed fear, feeling unsafe. So you've got the whites that are progressives, kind of feeling exhausted and scattered, and really dispirited because of dispirited is like a mild word because of the pandemic. So part of it is just the long view thing, you know. It's which I have to keep doing is both getting that it's generations. In some on some spectrums, it's it's not as long. Like I'm seeing with the tolerance of of the next gen in terms of gender fluidity and like that, that's going to town. But... Fast. Yeah. But racism, that's so hard baked into the psyche. Mm-hmm. So part of it is those that have the, whatever you want to call it, karma to keep on caring have to stay close because the only thing that helps me, Van, is to feel like I'm holding hands with others that are remembering. Yeah. It, 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 it's like there has to be a perseverance, and it needs to be really close because it's easy to get discouraged. Yeah,
0: well, you know, your point of view on this stuff has been so pivotal for me and so instructive and helpful. And let's just stay together, and I appreciate you.
1: Blessings, dear. All right. It's a real pleasure to be with you, always.
0: Peace. Yep. Thank you. All right, bye Take bye. care. We see the beauty of hope that spirit. It's so beautiful.
1: Those who become American citizens love this country even more. And that's why the Statue of Liberty lifts her lamp to welcome them to the golden door.
0: I really, really love Tara Brock. You know, for me coming away from that conversation. I'm just reminded of why I started down the spiritual pathway in the first place. Some of you guys may be you know, surprised that I'm as spiritually engaged and committed as I am, or that I have a, a strong religious background, having grown up in the progressive black church in the South. But that's really core to who I am. And I came to Buddhism and Hinduism and a lot of the Eastern stuff out of desperation. I got to the end of my road you know, almost 20 years ago, when things seemed tough to me then and overwhelming. I was working as an activist in the Bay Area in Oakland. I was going to way too many funerals. I was going to way too many community meetings that were just evolving into, into just chaos and, and conflict among ourselves. And I needed help. I needed some refuge, some ability just to find some peace in myself since it just seemed impossible in the community. And I remember walking into Stacy's bookstore down in uh, San Francisco's closed now. I walked in there and walked past the politics section, walked past the history section. And down in the basement, they had the self-help section. I would avoided that for years because I just thought, what a nut job you'd have to be to go down there worried about helping yourself. You better help somebody else. If <laughs> you got enough money to be in San Francisco, going to the bookstore, you better help somebody else. But I needed help. And I discovered you know, this whole Western Buddhist thing. And I just, you know, kind of sauntered up to the cash register and, you know, got my, <laughs> purchased my little book and scampered out of there. And I started going to these spirituality retreats. And what I learned and what Tara, you know, always reminds me of is that change isn't just top down. It's not just governments or corporations that need to change. And change isn't just bottom up. It's not just these movements and, and these protests and these marches, which are so important. It's also inside out. A lot of change is inside out. It's when we're able to find a, a wound inside ourselves that we didn't even know was driving us and bring some healing to it and some light to it. And suddenly we just have a little bit more capacity. You know, we can just breathe a little bit more deeply. And the same butthead at the office or the same person in the coalition has been driving you crazy they say something and it just doesn't get the reaction from you that it used to you're just able to kind of let it go or you're able to even find some empathy for the person and suddenly things open up and that's where the miracles come from the miracles come from somebody breaking the pattern because they found something inside themselves that they didn't know was there and suddenly you have real capacity and I want for this podcast to be a safe place for those kind of conversations as well, because spiritual people right now are becoming more active. I'm seeing people want to get up off their yoga mats and go to the, to the protest or, or, or go and, and read a book about racism or sexism or social change. I'm seeing people who have been very committed to wellness and, and well-being, wanting to make a difference in the world. Spiritual people getting more active. I'm also seeing more activists needing to get more spiritual because the activist world is just too hard. It's too harsh. It feels too toxic. And people are almost sneaking off to therapy, sneaking off to, you know, their their wellness practice. And I think always look for the crossroads. Where is the activism and the external pursuit of change? Crossing lines with and, and crossing over with the spiritual pursuit for interchange. I always look for the crossroads because there's usually a light there. There's usually a light at the crossroads. And one of those lights is Tara Brock. Uncommon Ground with Van Jones is an Amazon original production. It's produced by Magic Labs Media and Wonder Media Network. Our producers are... Teddy Alexander, Maisha Dyson, Grace Lynch, Adesua Agbanile, Sundus Hassan Noli, and Lindsay Cradwell. Our managing producers are Lauren D and Eliza Mills. Our executive producers are Jenny Kaplan and Morgan Jones. Our theme music was composed by The Grand Mess. Publicity for the show is led by Alice Zoe, Andy Lichtenfeld, Didier Moraes, Chantel Muentes, and Sam Petherbridge. Special thanks to Jana Carter, Taylor Williamson, Seven McDonald, Drew Schwindeman, Eric Carter, Trevor Mc. Neil, Carrie McCarron, Joe McMillan, Steph Walkneen, Vanessa Rebert, Ty Jacobson, Marshall Louie, and Chris Jackman. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Uncommon Ground with Van Jones ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today, or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus and Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at wondery.com/survey. Enhance your listening experience with Wondery Plus. Enjoy ad-free listening, exclusive content, binges, and more. Join Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or on Apple Podcasts.